0: sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I'm in this fight all the way. I am optimistic. I believe in what we can do together.
1: Warren set up just an exploratory committee, which allows her to fundraise and fill staff positions. Really no guarantee of a full-blown presidential campaign, but insiders expect to see one.
2: We'll see how she does. I I wish her well. I hope she does well. I'd love to run against her. This is a stalemate that the president is content to ride out. Unless he gets funding for the border wall and border security, he's simply just going to let this thing play out and see just how much pressure he can apply on the
3: Democrats. I think the president is telling us what he wants, and he's willing to do some things to get what he wants. And to my Democratic friends, there's some things that you want that can be had if you agree to border security in a reasonable way. And now,
1: Stacy Washington.
4: Yeah, get some border security in a reasonable way. There's nothing reasonable about border security. Have you seen that fence the Obamas are putting up around their house? And uh, it's a part of Washington, D.C. It's a beautiful Tony area. They're neighbors with Ivanka Trump and her husband. And it's all those houses you usually see. If you're if you're an Instagram person like me and you go on Instagram and you type in whatever kind of house you like, all these Feeds will come up of accounts that show you these beautiful houses and the Obamas are renting a house like that. I'm not sure if they've moved into the purchasing phase or what, but it's so that their daughter can finish out her high school career and they're building a huge brick fence around it. And you know why? Because paparazzi camp out around there because his wife just wrote a new book because she's the new it girl of, of all the magazines and everything. And the photographers want live shots of her tooling around her garden or walking around outside the house, you know, with Bo. They want to see her. They want pictures of her. So they're putting up a fence. Isn't that amazing? The Obamas. I mean, you would think, well, I'm sorry. What am I doing? That's just too much logic for this conversation. Let's go back to the phones. Greg in North Carolina. Thank you for holding over. Appreciate your time today. What's your comment?
5: Well, I just have a question for you. You know, I, I totally agree that we need to have fiscal immigration reform. But my question is, is a wall really the best decision because two thirds of illegal immigrants in this country don't even come over crossing the border. They come on visas and then they just stay put and they, send it, uh, they pass their visas.
4: No, no. So that, it, that number is 40 percent, not two thirds. It's four zero, 40 percent are visa overstays. But the violent criminals are not visa overstays. The violent criminals are the ones who cross over the southern border. So that's 60 percent of the illegal immigration is from the southern border. And that 60 percent is also there's terrorists in there. They they apprehended 71 terrorists last year. Um, They have Bangladeshis coming in by the hundreds. And then, of course, the illegal immigrants from Guatemala, Mexico, Honduras, et cetera. Those ones are coming here. And that's 10% of the drunk driving, 10%, 10% of the drunk driving. So if your family member has been killed by a drunk driver, you have a one in 10 chance that that person was here illegally and your family member didn't have to die. That's what we have to well, stop. And it, the wall is the most effective okay. way. Yes. Yes, it is. Ask Israel. They have a wall well at their border.
5: Documented, isn't what? it a well-documented fact, though,
4: that immigrants crossing the border actually commit fewer crimes once no, they're here? Than no, are just it's not. No, it's not. Well, I, not not I, only is that I not true. Yeah, well, so Fine. what do you what what's the agenda of the news stations? Come on Greg, if you if you want to call into the show, let's have this conversation. Are you here to well, you have a just, real you, honest you conversation? Out. You can just I'm absolutely prepared to have an honest OK, so I mean, for, can, answer my first question, argument, which is, is do, you, do you, you believe that the news media is on the side of illegal immigration and the Democrats or on the side of Trump and the Republicans? Ninety eight percent of the well, news think, coverage is negative for, for President Trump. Ninety eight percent.
5: I think that the, I think that the news media's bias is toward being sensationalist and lazy and getting people.
4: No, watch. it's biased I to the left. It's biased to the left. And if you're not willing to admit that, it's going to be kind of hard to get to the point where we can discuss illegal immigrants. You ask about their crime, if they're more law-abiding than American citizens. First of all, if we have well, a problem with crime, Washington Greg, Greg, don't, don't quote the Washington Times or Washington Post with me. I just told you they give President Trump 98% negative coverage. So we're not gonna talk about those outlets here because they would never, ever tell the truth about illegal immigration. But I wanna talk to you about facts that come from our government that tracks these numbers. So Greg, are you aware that in 2017, fiscal year, illegal immigrants committed 76,000 dangerous drug offenses. It's 126,000 well, sure. of them. Are you aware of that? But you can't look at it just as a raw number. No, actually, we can. If you have, no, I, if you have, have, lost, have lost a family a member citizen. to drug, a, a drug overdose that they were dealt by an illegal immigrant, you would be more interested in this. Uh, what about the 48,000 assaults, the 11,000 weapons offenses, the 5,000 sexual assaults? Well, I mean, I, if I, you were I mean, sexually assaulted saw- by an illegal immigrant, wouldn't you think that that raw number mattered? What about if you were kidnapped or your wife or your child? Maybe if you had been killed. Yeah, I understand. I understand. No, that those don't, ma'am, that don't ma'am. Don't you know, ma'am. You, you understand you me. You don't understand me if you're defending illegal immigration. Every I'm one of those numbers is life. Raw, state. raw state. numbers are lives. Can we agree on that? Is every wild, one of maybe. those raw numbers a life? No. Okay, so you're not— Is every not one of those raw numbers alive? We have to at least admit— Anyone can
5: commit a bad, anyone can
4: commit yeah, a terrible act. Yeah, so we already have Americans who are criminals. We don't need new criminals coming here illegally. We don't need more criminals. We have enough of our own that we've grown that belong here that we have to keep. We don't need new ones. They commit
5: fewer crimes than Native they do. They do not. Americans. I
4: just gave That's you the numbers. Point. I just gave you the numbers. They certainly do. No, they don't. And the the idea that you're arguing about about that instead of acknowledging that those numbers represent people means you have a problem. And the problem isn't me or my show or the Washington Post. The problem is you are defending lawbreakers. You're defending them because you probably live in a liberal enclave where illegal immigrants, they're not going to live next door to you. You're not touched by the problem. Therefore, like you said, those are just raw numbers. But if a person's been raped, Or kidnapped or sexually assaulted I dare you Greg to go up to that person and say well you're just a raw number who cares about your rape I thought Greg that your party believed in believing all women isn't 1800 sexual assaults or kidnappings too much isn't any woman who's been sexually assaulted isn't she supposed to be believed and aren't you supposed to defend her under the me too movement I mean you got to hold to your own party don't don't listen to me don't worry about the law You, Greg, a defender of illegal immigration, but also a member of the Democratic Party and a purveyor of me, too. Why don't you actually spend time working with these women who've been sexually assaulted by illegal immigrants, believing them and trying to protect them from further victimization since they're women and they deserve to be believed?
5: I'm a paramedic. I've treated women who were sexually assaulted, ma'am. I've treated people who were drug overdoses. So you're not going. But they're outs- just raw numbers. I'm sorry, Greg.
4: That. Those are just raw numbers. Who cares no. what you did? Those are just raw numbers. It's not a question of if they're raw numbers or not. It's a question of percentages because that. Mm. No, that's what you said. It, you said that the people who were sexually assaulted that I just told you about, government numbers here, um, five thousand know sexual well, assaults. You didn't say that. Oh, okay. You know I'm sorry. Well, I'm missing what you're say saying. That. Then I'm missing. All I hear is defense of illegal immigration. Um the, the point to that's your call hearing, is to say what? I all in here,
5: man, because you don't mm. want to learn anything. You I, I've learned to plenty.
4: Trump and wave your no.
5: flag and say, look how wonderful I am. But if you actually listen and think for a second, you might I do listen, and I actually
4: something. do think. I don't need to learn anything from you, Greg. Who are you? Who are you exactly to come on here and tell me I need to learn something from you? You don't even have your facts straight. If you want to teach me something, I welcome you to call back at any time. Tell my call screener you're Greg from North Carolina, and you you can give me any information you'd like. If you go out and research it and bring actual facts and information, you called here to argue with me based on what the mainstream media says, which has been debunked. That information is false. They're doing that on behalf of their arm, which is the Democrats. And you're actually trying to put that stuff off on the listeners today. And I can't allow it. I do respect you for working as an EMT. And the work that you do is good work. And I hope you continue it. But you will not be permitted to come on the show and teach me things. I'm using my little quote fingers here. Teach me things that are not actual things. You can teach those things to other people who might be open to that, but I don't have to, uh, I don't even have my flag up today. I'm a veteran. I wear flags. I have them hanging all over our property, and I will continue to have one hanging at the back there on the live stream, but it's not about the flag. It's about what's right and what's wrong, and Greg... You're wrong, buddy, but call me back if you have something to teach me that's actually based in facts, and I'm willing to learn because I am open to learning and new information. It just has to be factual. That's what it has to be in order for it to get on here and be uh, accepted. Now, if you're wondering what I was talking about, and maybe you've never heard this information, if you're new to the program, I'm talking about a report that came out about three months ago talking about this 127,000 illegal immigrants who were arrested for these crimes. This was in the year 2017 and these illegal immigrants, according to customs, immigration and customs enforcement, these people committed 76,000 dangerous drug offenses, 48,000 assaults, 11,000 weapons offenses, 5,000 sexual assaults, that's rapes and sodomy, 2,000 kidnappings and 1,800 Americans lost their lives at the hands of these, as Greg would say, people who just want a better life who came over illegally but shouldn't have to leave because they need a better life. While they're killing Americans, they need a better life. Greg doesn't have to be impacted by this, Other than through his work, which those people who are sexually assaulted at Greg's work that he deals with, those people that he helps, they're just raw numbers. They're not people. They're not people who matter. They're just raw numbers. The percentages matter, and the percentages only matter if they favor the Democrats in illegal immigration. And um, also, I don't know anything, and I don't know any facts, and also Greg knows everything. That's why he has his own show. And, um, you know, waving the flag is bad. I think that's the summation of that whole uh... (laughs) – that's it right there. Also, I didn't hear Greg pay homage and bow down to Me Too. I didn't hear him say that all women deserve to be believed. I didn't hear him say that those women who were raped, sexually assaulted, physically assaulted, deserve to be heard and understood. I didn't hear him say that their attackers deserve to be imprisoned or put to the death penalty, or removed from this country. So Greg's not a good Democrat because he doesn't know how it works. Me Too means all women must be believed. All women have to be validated, and all of their concerns have to be uplifted at the expense of everything else. Greg doesn't seem to have the mantra down just yet. But if Greg wants to call back, I'll teach him how Me Too works, because I know, I've seen it online. I've learned that from Democrats. That's one thing I've learned from Democrats, and I'm willing to help him out so he can be that good Democrat and actually operate on behalf of those raw numbers he says he treated at his work. And that was interesting. All right. So now I want to turn to this whole idea that we're in 2019. And a couple years ago, I wrote this this op-ed about how the Democrats were going to obstruct. And it really, it lit my actual physical mailbox on fire because it was for the Post-Dispatch and I was writing for them. And this article that I wrote about how they were going to obstruct these people literally got so angry because it was the truth and that's what the Democrats did they just obstructed and obstructed because they don't they don't have anything to run on. They're running on helping the mentally ill people, uh, helping, helping people who have all kinds of problems that are easily solved by better personal choices, but they're not here for actual sexual assault victims, rape victims, people who've been kidnapped. They're not here for the family out in, I think, it, is it on, somewhere on the West Coast, this police officer was killed by an illegal alien. They're not here for any of that. And so it's interesting that Jonathan Turley, uh, law professor, et cetera, he says what's left of the Democratic Party is beyond being opposed to Donald Trump. And, and he's saying, you know, what do you guys stand for? You hate Donald Trump, but what are you here to do for the American people? And I've said the same thing. I said it on MSNBC when I was last on there on Politics Nation. There's not legislating that's about to happen. Nancy Pelosi, is distru- she said we won't have a debt limit anymore. All they want to do is spend money like drunken sailors and have more illegal immigration and more lawlessness. But don't take it from me. Here's Jonathan Turley talking about how there, he doesn't see any real policies coming out or any ideas from the Democrats. is number one.
2: Well, you know, I grew up in a staunchly Democratic family in Chicago, and I, the Democratic Party used to represent something. Uh, but what we've seen in the last two years is that they've become the inverse image of Donald Trump that this obsession is really worthy of Melville it's this all consuming effort uh, which is beginning to erode what defines the Democrats and what happens when Donald Trump leaves office what is left of your party. If you take a look at the last year, it's it's really mystifying. You know, the, when when we were dealing with the FBI material that the Congress was seeking uh, to release to the public, um, the FBI redacted a huge amount of that material. Many of us said, "Look, this is part of a pattern with the FBI. They often overclassify. It is often to protect themselves from embarrassment, not national security." And yet the Democrats said, "No, no. You just have to accept what the de- what the FBI is saying about classification." Well. Well. Well, when those redactions were lifted, we found out they weren't really classified. They were shielding embarrassing things about FBI officials. When Donald Trump said, I want to get out of Syria and Afghanistan, the Democrats who have long opposed endless or undeclared wars said, oh my God, this is hasty. Mm.
4: So in other words, double standards persist, scratch a scandal, find a Democrat and also double standards persist had to repeat that because it's so true about them. When we get back, we're going to have Brigitte Gabriel. She's a terrorism expert and chairman of Act for America. Stay right there.
0: Here's American Family Association President Tim Wildman. Lynn Ingram and Jim Duncan, two Texans, support and believe
3: in our ministry here at AFA and AFR. We know more about the laundry business than anything else. We know a little bit about a lot of things, but we know a lot about the laundry and dry cleaning business. They created a laundry detergent to sell to folks
0: to support AFA. We just want to be able to provide a product that can be used by AFA to support the ministry. When you wash your family's clothes with Redeem Clean laundry detergent, you can take great satisfaction in knowing that you're supporting the vital work of the American Family Association. It's a unique way to increase your giving to AFA. For clean laundry and support of a cleaner society, it's Redeem Clean. Learn more about the Redeem Clean products when you visit redeemclean.afastore.net. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. In this new year, churches face a number of threats. The Alliance Defending Freedom is warning churches of seven threats to their religious liberty. Pastors and their congregations need to know what these threats are and be prepared and protected. Now, one threat to pastors is the potential loss of a provision that treats housing for pastors as tax-exempt. This has been threatened for many years but faces a major challenge by the Freedom From Religion Foundation in the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals. A second threat affects the relationship of churches to the IRS. Currently, churches are exempt from the requirement to file a Form 990. Filing such forms can reveal private donor information. If that case is lost, churches would be forced to disclose private giving information to the public. A number of churches already face significant challenges from local government in their area. Churches in some areas have been denied the use of public facilities that other organizations are granted access ADF talks about one case that has big implications for church plants and other small churches that cannot otherwise afford to build. In other cases, local government has used discriminatory zoning codes that override the rights of churches, blocking them from using buildings they already own. This year, your church may be facing the prospect of having to pay a parking tax. This was included in the Federal Tax Cuts and Job Act and applies to churches and ministry employees. Finally, there have been a number of cases in which government officials try to intimidate churches and pastors with letters and warnings about what pastors can say about political issues. Pastors and churches need to be aware of these threats and take appropriate action. I would encourage you to support some of the religious liberty organizations fighting for you and your rights. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. Take Kirby and the Point of View team with you on the go with the Point of View app. Search for Point of View Radio at the Apple or Google Play stores. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
4: Welcome back to the program. I am absolutely into new ideas and new solutions. Um, But I I do kind of take offense when someone says that I'm just into supporting President Trump and waving a flag without ever having listened to the podcast and heard the many times that I've criticized the president and talked about the things that I feel like are really problematic um, that he has to overcome because of his, you know, it's, it's poor decision making. And those statements, that doesn't win me any points. You know what I mean? That, that those, making those kinds of statements and telling that, that truth, uh, it doesn't get me uh, invitations to Mar-a-Lago or to do certain things. And I know there are people who are very strong supporters of the president who get to do all of that stuff and it's fun. But that's not what I'm here for. I'm not here for the popularity contest. If I were, I wouldn't be here at all. As a black woman, it is much easier for me to silently grip my teeth and vote for Democrats and have all of the friends in the world and be in all of the dinner clubs and all of the book clubs and have my kids invited to all of the best parties and my husband and I spend just uh, untold amounts of time enjoying ourselves and having, you know, just spending time with all kinds of different people and to act, have actual power, the kind of power that matters to people here on this earth. If I really wanted to be popular and to have tons of friends and to just, just have things be easy, then that's what I would do. But I get a lot of pleasure out of knowing that what I am doing is the opposite of that road and I'm still enjoying it. And my husband is still enjoying it and the kids are still enjoying it. And that God is blessing us in spite of those who, they don't want us around. They don't want their kids at our house. They don't want to invite us to certain things that I, I don't have any power. That's actually enjoyable for me. Because if you've noticed the look at the, the wrinkly upset faces of the people who have all the power. Look at the lack of enjoyment that they seem to have. Look at all of the different things that come along with that package. I'm glad not to have it. And the popularity, it really doesn't matter. You really can only spend time with about four actual real friends. It, it's it's proven. There's a there've been studies that have been done. How many real friends can you have and enjoy? It's like 4. Especially if you're married with kids, you really don't even have time for 4 friends to spend time with them regularly. So, the all of it is for not. Not and and not because I'm so fantastic or wonderful. It's the opposite. I'm a wretch. I'm a sinner. I'm saved by grace. That's that I'm I'm at that very basic level and I know it. I'm not deluded and there's no grandeur over here. But what there is is a real understanding that you know, we just don't have any time to be dealing in non-facts. Every minute counts. Every day counts. Every one of these minutes that we let pass by while we still don't have a wall are other toddlers getting raped by illegal immigrants. And that's inconvenient conversation. When people hear me saying that, well, I just don't want to listen to that. Or when we talk about abortion, well, I just don't want to listen to that. I, that's just too tough of a topic. Okay. You're still on the bottle. You're, you don't, you're not ready for the meat. That's fine. But others who are ready for the meat and need this true information are going to they're they're here already. They're waiting for it. And I'm, that's why I'm here to give it to them, not because I want to be popular. So it's it's really not about me not wanting to learn anything. A fool can't teach me anything. I, you can't do it. If you believe that illegal immigrants are more law abiding than American citizens, which includes gun owners who are more law abiding than the law enforcement community, who are the most law abiding community in the country if you believe that illegal immigrants are more law abiding than American gun owners, then we can't talk. It's just that simple. You don't have things in your brain that are true facts. That's why it's impossible for us to have a dialogue and there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that nothing. So we were listening to Jonathan Turley and I don't know if we got close to the end of that. Um, It sounded like we were really close to the end of that, but he was explaining how the Democrats have this double standard where they don't believe that um, we should believe the FBI if the FBI is saying things that are, are are beneficial to Republicans. But if they're talking about how horrible Donald Trump is, well, then, you know, James Comey is is the next second coming. He's just he's everything. Just bow down. OK, so here he is. He's finishing up this this idea. And, you know, the, the reason this is important is because. If you read, and I know we talked about it just briefly, and I did finish it. It's the new book by Tucker Carlson. It's called Ship of Fools. And boy, I tell you what, I, it's one of those times where I kind of do wish I had some clout so I could get him on the show because I have I have questions I want to ask him about the book. Genuine questions. I I couldn't find much in it that I disagreed with, to be honest. And not because he's on Fox and, and I'm a right winger, quote unquote, but because the book was really well researched. And one of the things he talks about in the beginning of the book is his patchouli-scented teacher from second grade and how she was a liberal and how even though she made his life just, you know, actually his first grade, how he still remembers how much he hated being in her class because she was like worshiping the earth and this and that. And they'd have to sit in the dark and think about global warming or cooling or whatever the rage was back then. But he says people like her were responsible for putting appropriate checks and balances on capitalism. And a lot of people have said about me, and believe that I think unfettered, unchecked capitalism is something that should occur and you know, just let the free market reign. I do think we should unleash the free market, but it should not be unfettered and unregulated. We do need some regulation. We do need laws. We need checks and balances to help people not get out of control. And so while I'm not hugely in favor of unions, At this stage of our, you know, industrial development, we're even past that technological development, unions serve a purpose. Unions stop businesses from treating people like robots. And so in the book, Tucker Carlson goes into it a number of different times. He goes down this vein and he's very methodical in ticking off the ways that classical liberals and old Democrats, not this current iteration, but Democrats from before, they use their power to place checks on unfettered capitalism, um, you know, companies that didn't respect the environment, you know, they really they were into the causes that they espoused and they made a difference with them. So it doesn't mean I want to be a Democrat. But if we still had those kinds of Democrats around, then we would have checks and balances so that we could have. I mean, just you know, fantastic economic growth, but people would still be people. They'd be employees and they they would be respected and treated well. And it's funny to me that the very people who are treating employees the worst right now, namely Amazon, a company that we recently, last year and the last quarter of last year, I went through and I reduced our automatic deliveries from Amazon down to a very, very low amount. And I'm, you know, slowly researching whether or not I want to continue to do business with Amazon on the auto delivery side for Pantry, because of their treatment of their workers, because of their bias against conservatives, the way they'll push conservative books down in the rankings and they won't pay people who've sold books on Amazon who are conservatives, the, all of these behaviors are those of someone who feel they're above the law. Jeff Bezos doesn't feel like he's like me or you or we have to be careful to be within the law. And the reason that Tucker Carlson's book going into this was so fascinating to me is that Jeff Bezos is a liberal. And so- Liberals from the olden days, you know, 25, 30 years ago, would have opposed Jeff Bezos. They would have said, look at the way you're, you monitor the number of steps your employees take around the, the warehouse. You don't let them take bathroom breaks. They're using the restroom into, you know, water bottles so that they don't have to take the extra 500 steps to and from the restroom. They don't want to have the computer ding them. What? These are people. They have to have time to use the restroom. You have to figure out a way to do this so that they can have normal human activity. But liberals don't care about that because Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post and they like him controlling that. They like having him in their back pocket. The power that he represents, the things he's able to do on behalf of liberalism, the money that he funnels into their causes far and above outweighs the benefit of them defending those workers. Do you, do you hear that? That's the sound of unfettered capitalism. Only instead of it being big, rich Republican robber barons who are doing it, It's liberals, the richest people in America right now on the tech side. They're all dyed in the wool, hardcore Democrats, and they don't care about their workers. They're not concerned with the ramifications of their push to have, uh, you know, open borders. They don't care that the same people who vote for them will be the ones who don't have jobs. If we were to open our borders wide up, the crime, the violence, the destruction of our whole society these things would happen to the same people who are voting and who respect and who frequent the businesses of Facebook, Amazon, et cetera, et cetera. And so it was fascinating to read that in his book and to to hear him talk about it. And that's why these comments from Jonathan Turley are so important for us to kind of pay attention to. Jonathan Turley is hardly a dyed-in-the-wool Republican. He's a law professor, but his commentary comes from a place of concern about the direction that we're headed. So I want to listen to Turley 2, and then we can take a, oh, okay. and We did get the majority of that first clip, according to my producer. So thanks, Devin. That's fantastic. So we'll, we'll do Jonathan Turley 2. Um, and then if you want to call in and talk about the, the clip or whatever, I'm, I'm, it's the first day back for the new year. I'm so glad to be here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk, uh, 866-963-2037. Let's listen to number two.
2: Republicans have to be careful, too. You know, if if they just simply become the party of Donald Trump, they're going to have the same vacuum once he leaves the office. But what's strange about the Democrats is even their rhetoric um, seems to be adopted from an earlier time. If you look at what Democrats are now saying about Russian influence, you know, we all, I hope, agree that the Russian interference with our election was terrible, worthy of sanctions and worthy of investigation. But more and more Democrats are saying that anyone who associates with Russians are traitors and, and you know, they're our enemy. It's a sort of Cold War language that usually the Democrats dismissed um, and opposed. So the, the only point of the column is this. That at some point, the Democrats are going to have to have an identity separate from Donald Trump. And if they go into 2020 as simply the inverse image right. of Donald Trump, then we're really not going to have a two-party system. We're going to have a 1.5-party system. Right.
4: And that's dangerous. That's another thing that Tucker Carlson pointed out in his book, Ship of Fools. He talked about how the two-party system, so everyone, he's talking about a time when Democrats were opposed to illegal immigration Because it hurt workers. And Republicans were, you know, they were opposed to it, but a little laissez-faire about it because obviously some Republicans are business owners and appreciate the cheap labor. And so it was a constant, you know, kind of push and pull because legislators would say, well, we want a wall. I mean, we have these same speeches that Donald Trump has been giving. Same exact speech. Bill Clinton gave it back when he was president. Same exact speech. uh, Feinstein gave it. In California, I mean, you should watch the video because her hair, it's like totally 80s, totally 80s hair. She, I mean, amazing shoulder pads. We're talking about the same things that are happening back then. They're happening now. Same exact speeches, same exact promises being made. The only difference is I think everybody knows that if Donald Trump is given the funding, the, a wall will go up. Because he's a businessman and he's in the real estate industry and that's all he knows. All he knows is setting out architectural drawings, timelines, deadlines, and getting getting it done so he can move on to the next project. A wall will get built. And no, it will not be an impervious wall that is continuous across all you know 2,000 plus uh, miles of, of border, but it would be one that would prevent illegal immigration, a combination of things put together to address the needs of the various types of terrain that are present on our Southern border that would prevent illegal immigration. And that's what Americans are looking for Democrats as well. Um, I I wrote it for the Kansas City Star about this uh, survey that was done here in the state of Missouri. And Missouri is a Midwestern state, but it is not all that unrepresentative. In other words, people here are not that odd or out of the mainstream. In fact, we're more mainstream than if you take surveys in California or, uh, you know, at the very liberal parts of the East Coast. Over 68 percent of people want the border sealed and less immigration. 68 percent. Missouri is not a sixty-eight percent Republican state. We have a supermajority in the legislature, but we do not have sixty-eight percent of the people here in Missouri as dyed in the wool hardcore, you know, Trumplicans, as people have been calling uh, the new iteration of the Republican Party under President Trump. So I'm, I think one of the things that it, it's it's disturbing, but it also points to the the futility of only seeing politics as the end-all, be-all of this situation, is. Th- the fact that we see when the Republicans were in charge for two years, they did not repeal Obamacare. They did not build a wall on the southern border. They could have had it completed in two years. They couldn't get their stuff together. And I will say this as well. Another thing that you see on the Republican side that you don't see on the Democrat side, and I hope Greg is listening because here I am criticizing Republicans. I, I, I wonder what – am I still waving the flag? Am I still supporting Donald Trump while well, I'm – I'm, I have no idea what exactly propelled him to make such blanket, inaccurate statements about my where I'm coming from, other than he hasn't listened to the show. Um, it's funny to me the the timing of this Mitt Romney thing because I've seen some speculation about Mitt Romney wanting he wants to be president so badly and and he wants it for. His religion, because he's a Mormon and he believes that because we've had a Catholic president and we've had Protestants and now we've had Donald Trump, who really doesn't have a declared denominational religion other than he's, you know, generally a Protestant. But he's been married more than, you know, more than two times. It's, it, there's all these different milestones for the presidency. We've had a black president and now he wants to be the first Mormon president. So he's desperate for it. And he's he's actually thinking about do, going again, which I think that's unfathomable. I actually I do not see a universe in which Mitt Romney becomes the president of the United States, because I can tell you, if he were the nominee for the Republicans next time, I wouldn't vote for him. I would not vote for him now. And I voted for him once. Uh, and and so I saw him today. He's got all he's going on the shows. Actually, it was yesterday. Not yesterday. It was whatever day before the, the op ed came out. So it was yesterday. He's on some of the shows. And he's going to be a darling of the left because they'll use him. They'll use him up as, as, as much as they can because they see that he's attacking the president and that's useful for them. So that's good for sound bites. It's good for a few interviews, but it's not going to help him. He, becoming the Jeff Flake of the Senate Republicans and not being a reliable vote, it's adding another to that little cabal of two who they always vote against the pro life issues. Now you have three with Mitt Romney. He's trying to chip away at that Senate majority. But that's not how you win the Republican nomination for the presidency. If he decided to primary the president, he would be viciously torn apart by Donald Trump and by Trump supporters who are the the president's approval rating with Republican women is in the mid 90s. And overall, it's 88 percent. So 12 percent doesn't get you the nomination. Not only that, but he doesn't have the party apparatus anymore like he did when he rammed himself through the last time. This is a horrible, horrible way for him to start out. But it's his choice, and we'll see where it takes him. We'll be back with more after this. Stay there. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. How can we bless our husbands when we are in our prayer time? By interceding on their behalf. We can ask God to make our husbands the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. We can besiege God to make them known in the gate. We can ask God to show us ways that we can bless our husbands in our speech and our actions and the way that we care for them. We can ask our Father in Heaven to shower husbands with new ideas for business and ministry opportunities and for God to bless them and make them wise and lengthen their days. Remember, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty. No foe can stand against our God. The prescription for today's man-hating culture is praying wives, interceding before God daily. I'm Stacy Washington. Find out more at StacyOnTheRight.com.
0: The Holy Spirit speaks to everybody. The problem is most folks don't listen. Lonnie Point-Dexter. If they do listen, they don't take it to heart or they get fearful or whatever. But when you listen and act upon it, wonderful things happen. And because a man of God heard the voice of God and acted upon it, it blesses me today. And you as well for listening in. Lion Chasers. Weekday mornings at 10 Central on Urban Family Talk. On the Hour of Intercession,
2: we have guests on a
0: regular basis,
2: and sometimes our guests have titles like doctor or pastor, but sometimes they have no title at all.
0: Pastor Joseph Parker of the Hour of Intercession. One powerful truth
2: to recognize is that every believer has a testimony, and they can teach you something about prayer as they share their own personal prayer journey.
0: Listen weekday afternoons at 1 Central here on Urban Family Talk.
1: Donald Trump's America. Visitors to Washington won't be able to visit the Smithsonian's more than dozen museums. After using unspent dollars to stay open in the first week of the partial government shutdown, the Smithsonian closed after the new year. It's perhaps the most visible impact of the shutdown, but agencies warn additional services will either cease or slow down the longer the shutdown continues. The USDA is still doing meat and food inspections, and SNAP benefits will continue through January. But the agency says other federal nutrition benefits could lapse and county offices are closed as are development loans and grant processing. The Treasury Department is impacted by the partial shutdown. That means the IRS filing season begins in early January. Right now, most IRS employees are furloughed. House Democrats plan to vote to reopen the government tomorrow, but the legislation would not provide border wall funding that's been demanded by President Trump. In Washington, Jared Halpern, Fox News.
0: You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
3: Well, I can't really tell whether it's a smart move for her or not, but I think this is a total gift to President Trump. Now, this is the candidate that he clearly wants. Uh, I, I, my own view is I think Democrats want a new generation of leadership. That's always been my view. They're looking at somebody like a Kamala Harris or Beto O'Rourke or Cory Booker. I think that's where they want to go. But Elizabeth Warren also brings other baggage to the table as well. I've been critical of my own party at times. Uh, for the, some of these nativist, isolationist, protectionist, inclinations, or social intolerance. But Elizabeth Warren brings to the table all the things that I think much of red state America dislikes. This war with industrial and agricultural America that too many Democrats are engaged with. I mean, she's very clear. She doesn't like the financial services industry. She doesn't like the pharmaceutical industry. She doesn't like the, uh, the insurance industry. She doesn't like any of these industries where a lot of, frankly, my former constituents worked. And I think this is going to be a very big problem for Democrats if they nominate someone like her. Uh, there are going to be a lot of Trump-Leary uh, Republicans and independents, you know, who are looking for an alternative, but they'll just say, but I can't do that. And so I think this is a, a, a gift to Donald Trump.
4: Uh, welcome back to the show here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Guess what? He's right. That was GOP, former GOP representative Charlie Dent. He's talking about Elizabeth Warren and how she's clear to the candidate that the president would want to run against. Now, I want, I want to make it clear to you. Um, it's not that she couldn't have won, but her moment has passed. And, you know, the moment has passed when liberals who supported you and still do kind of support you as far as her being a senator, uh, they've written, we covered this on the show, that the, one of the prominent writers from her city wrote that her time has passed and she's not the the nominee. We're, they're looking for someone different. Now, Elizabeth Warren has really kind of made some gaffes because she's trying to be somebody else. And, you know, have, we've seen this before. We've seen it before. Someone will do something viral online and then everyone will start doing it. And so one of the things that Alexandria Cortez or Ocasio-Cortez did during her campaign is she would live stream in her kitchen making her famous macaroni and cheese with bacon bits on top and she'd have some campaign staffers there and she would talk to people in the comments and it was very now and kind of an it girl thing for her to do and it worked for her because you know she's young and it was something that she just did on the fly and a lot of people do it I I do it I have pictures on my Instagram when I cook something and I'm like, Oh, look what I made stuffed peppers. And so I'll put, you know, put a picture of it on Instagram. Um, I sometimes will live stream when something happens in the news, I'll get on Facebook and I'll live stream and, you know, talk to people on my page about it. And it's fun to do, but if that's not something you've been doing, if you do it in exactly the style of someone else, it's kind of like you're saying that could work for me. And if it did work for her, it'd be great. But she's getting mocked because she, she opened a beer and was drinking the beer and, and cooking in her kitchen And, you know, we all know she lives in a $4 million mansion and she has staff. And so she really, she didn't have to open her own beer, nor did she have to cook her own meal. So it's a little interesting that she's choosing to make these kind of gaffes. It's an exploratory committee that she's formed. And, you know, we know she wants to run for the presidency. But uh, on the other side, like not even on the other side, just adjacent to Elizabeth Warren and all of her antics is Bernie Sanders, who is currently taking the temperature of the Democrats, especially the progressive wing, to see if he should run again. So another old person. And you guys know I have respect for every person of every age. I'm using the vernacular of these younger progressives. They see Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren as being too old, and also they're white. They want someone diverse. They want someone younger. They want to recreate the momentum and the feeling of President Obama's historic presidency. And I had said previous to this that I didn't think Michelle Obama was running, but this press junket for the book and the L cover and all this other stuff, something is afoot. I, I hope nothing is afoot. I hope I'm wrong. But it seems like there's something more to this than just she's writing a book because she was just the first lady. I mean, it's a great time for her to capitalize on coming out of the White House. It's the best time for her to write a book. Most first ladies and presidents, that's when they bring a book out if they haven't already written one her husband's already got books under his belt so it is her turn you know quote unquote and they were given huge advances for a book for each of them after they left the white house so none of this is a surprise but the amount of press she's doing for it is kind of it's huge it's outsized it's like she's it's like there's a vacuum and she's just stepped into it and she's just getting bigger and bigger to fill it up as as far as her persona if you will um so you you've got you know, you've got that. You've got Elizabeth Warren doing that. You have, um, which if you think, and I do, I think Mitt Romney would be totally savaged. If he was not savage the last go round, he would be completely, it would be like just a little pile of dust like in the cartoons when Wile e. Coyote would get blown up by the rabbit and there'd only be a little pile of dirt there. And then as a kid you'd think, is he gone? And then he would reappear and you're like, oh, okay. It, it'd be like that. He would still be here, but all we would see of him is a little pile of that cartoon dust from where Trump had completely just, you know, blitzed him. Same thing with Elizabeth Warren. If she thinks that the mocking that she received over the whole Focahontas was pretty bad the last time, bad enough that she went and took a DNA test, and then when the results came back, instead of her keeping it to herself and never letting us know she took one, she actually made it public, just wait for round two. Donald Trump probably already has jokes like, an arm's length worth of jokes about Pocahontas and the fact that she's taken this test and she's really a white person. She's not an Indian at all. Um, and she just would not, she wouldn't survive it. And I don't mean she would literally not survive it. I mean, her political persona would not survive the onslaught of president Trump taking her on over these issues, these tertiary, unimportant issues that are only important because she's a Democrat and the Democrats worship their skin. They worship the skin of minorities and they have a hierarchy of who's better than other people, like gays are better than blacks and illegal immigrants are better than gays and blacks and et cetera, et cetera. that's, That's real on the Democrat side. And anyone who wants to be taken seriously, you have to know that if you're running as a Democrat and you can't have any of that stuff in your background. So at least uh, Kamala Harris doesn't have any of those kind of gaps in her background. But Cory Booker has the I am Spartacus moment and the interrogation over homosexual sex that he did on the, the one nominee that was before him in the Senate Judiciary panel. And he's now had to come out and declare that he's not a homosexual. He'll evolve on that if he were ever elected. He would evolve into one within one term after he were reelected for the second term. He would then evolve and he would be the first homosexual president. I'm willing to lay odds on that. So, the, as I'm ticking down the list, do you see a pattern? These people are not the clean, perfect candidates that they would like. Now, Beto O'Rourke, okay, there's a guy who has—he um, has legs, not because he's got wonderful ideas or a history that's that's perfect to go on, but because the DUI that he—it was like a hit and run type thing, and he was driving under the influence and. That was so long ago that most people are going to be willing to overlook that he does have that, you know, looks like JFK. Which I know if you're like me, you're thinking, what does that matter? It matters a lot to Democrats. They want someone who's exciting and good to look at, like they had with Obama. Beto Work feels that that doesn't matter if he's dumber than a box of rocks. He's he's got the look that they're looking for, and he's younger. And then of course there are others. I mean the the list of people I saw some kind of pick pictogram where there are like 30 people who could possibly run. I don't think they all have the ability to uh, withstand the onslaught of what running for the presidency actually entails, but there are a bunch of them that are looking at doing it. And Joe Biden has the same problem that Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton have. And that is he's old and he's white. And for Democrats right now, those are two characteristics that they're not interested in. Now on our side, The danger that we have is that some never Trump group would put someone up and that that person would have enough power late in the process to derail the president's re-election by siphoning off a bunch of votes. We just have to pray that that won't happen. You know, like I said about the immigration, love the one you're with. We don't have anybody on the Republican side who would be better at dealing with this level of political rancor from the Democrats than Donald Trump. And that's me saying that in addition to the fact that I like Nikki Haley. And I hope that one day she will be, you know, vice president, maybe even the president. I I don't know what the future holds, but she's someone I think who has the political genius and wherewithal and also the the background, having been a former governor and then ambassador to the UN, I think she could actually do the job. If not The presidency, definitely the vice presidency, and I would love to see that. Um, Maybe she could run on a Pence-Haley ticket, right, after Donald Trump. Then you get Pence and you get he chooses Haley. That sounds pretty awesome. Anyway, I mean, that's so far away, it's it's really uh, uh, inconsequential. So speaking of those who have political power, staying power, Nancy Pelosi— so you guys know she has four kids, right? And one of them is a writer. She's a journalist. And she's often on the shows on cable. And uh, she was asked about her mom returning to the speaker's gavel and what that meant to her. And so she first deflected and said, well, you, don't, you know you know better than to ask me about that. I didn't clip the part where she says, one thing you need to know about my mom is she'll cut your head off and you won't even know you're bleeding. Okay. Um if that's the way you like to talk about your mom, um okay. I get the metaphor. She's a political operator. She's a knife fighter. She you know, she does she doesn't back away from a fight. I get it. She's been there for decades. If she wasn't like that, you'd have to wonder what what have you been doing there? But she did have something to say that I thought was pretty fascinating. I'll let you listen to it and then we can discuss. And also, call lines are open 866-963-2037 866-963-2037. We're going to talk about this on the other side. Let's listen to uh, Pelosi's daughter here, number five. You know, when Nancy Pelosi came to town, it was a boys club. That was 30 years ago. It was a boys club. Look around tomorrow. It's going to be a whole new America. You're going to see something so magical that you have not seen before. I think it's I know Trump gets all the attention in his wall. and his, But if you think about it, when you think about how this country is changing fundamentally, when you look at who's representing us, it's going to be a beautiful menagerie. This is Nancy Pelosi's daughter talking about the swearing in tomorrow and how there's going to be all these women there. Now it is a change to have 98 women sworn into the house at the same time. I'm not against it. I am against Nancy Pelosi making this announcement that she's going to uh, eliminate the debt ceiling and that she's also uh, allowing headgear on the floor for the first time. It's never been allowed before for men or for women. Now we're going to have Muslims wearing headgear on the floor of the House, which is utterly against the concept of freedom and women's rights. But, you know, whatever. Democrats always trying something new. But what I thought was interesting is that she's trying to act as if we've never had women representing us uh, at all. It's it's like she's saying this this is so historic and this is so, so awesome that it's just it's nonsense. She said it was gonna be magical. Are is she a grown up? Like, okay. If I were talking about a friend's wedding, like one, one of my girlfriends a couple years ago, like three years ago, her daughter got married. And I don't know what it is about weddings. I don't know if, if you feel this way too, but for me, when we go to a wedding and I'm sitting there with my husband and the kids, it takes me back to that moment where I was standing up on, you know, up up there with my husband. And we were saying our vows and it hits me like a ton of bricks, um, that all this time has passed by, you know, over 20 years, three kids, all of the things that we've been through the, the storms we've weathered, the, the churches we've attended, the places we've lived, the houses we've, you know, all of that, it, it hits me like a ton of bricks. And every time we go to a wedding, you know, it just makes me cry. And it is something magical when I see the couple exchange their vows And it's like something happens in the air when they go from being two people to being one. It is magical. I would call that magical. I would say back when um, my husband and I were expecting our kids and I went from the realization that, you know, you know you're pregnant, but this one thing to be pregnant is another thing to actually give birth and see the baby. It's magical. Um, There are other moments that are magical. Like it's there, there are magical moments. But just swearing in a bunch of women to the House of Representatives, not magical, not, not in my world. There are things that God has given to us to experience here on this earth that have a magical quality, magical as a descriptor. That's not one of them. And I don't mean it's not one of them for me. I mean, it's not one of them, period. You know, disagree, fight me. I don't care. I, I'm, I'm tired of people taking things that are special and wonderful and- giving them giving the the descriptors for that, the labels for that, the, the the way that we honor those things over to like government processes, swearing in a bunch of House of Representative members who may or may not even be there in two years, a bunch of people who might go there and not pre- not present one piece of legislation, not have one good idea to help Americans. You know what would be magical is that the Democrats had a bunch of ideas and legislative proposals that would actually help Americans lower the number of Americans who are being killed by opioids, if the Democrats would lower the number of Americans who are being kidnapped by illegal aliens or killed on our roads by drunk drivers, if the Democrats had any proposal to spur job growth and creation and to lower the number of kids who are not proficient or advanced in reading and mathematics in in the fourth grade, if they could figure out a way to help kids get to the graduation day and walk across the aisle proficient in advance and ready to hit the workforce or college. Any ideas from the Democrats would be magical. You know what I'm saying? All right, I'm back, and I'll be back with you tomorrow. God bless you, welcome home, and good evening from the heartland.